everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Just before we introduce this episode today, I wanted to give you a bit of background on our guest. He's a lad called Luke Lyons. He's a foot tech coach, currently coaches at Leeds United, as well as Notre Dame uh, Academy. Real, real good experience. But what we're going to talk to him about today is his footballing journey. So Luke went all the way. He lived every young player's dream. He got into an academy and then signed a professional deal, played played as a professional, but then cruelly had it all taken away from him due to injury. So we're going to talk to him today about some of his experiences and what he's learned from that. He's also going to give some good advice to parents and players from a coaching point of view, given that he's got now a fantastic coaching experience as well. But he's He's a humble guy, he's, he's someone that we have a lot of respect for, he was a fantastic player and that's come from, from people that used to coach him as well when he was, he was younger, but his experiences and his learnings are going to be really valuable for a lot of parents listening to this, particularly parents in football parents, you know, that are in the, either in grassroots or in the academy system, so we hope you really, really enjoy this one, um, so let's get into it. Right mate, so I want to talk to you about your journey. Because obviously you lived the dream, went through the system, got there, got got to to where you needed to go. But so tell tell us tell us that tell us how you started and where you where you got to. No, um, I'd have been year three in school, so it's like under nine, under eight, under nine, under eight, under eight. Under eight. Yeah. So um, and towards the end of year three, like my mates, dad were just like, oh, he's gonna run a, a Sunday league team or whatever. Um, Obviously, I'd never played for a team. Only just played out with my mates. So you never played, much. never played formal football, just street football. Yeah, never played in a team. Never, never played formal football until genuinely like end of year three. Um, and my mates. The only reason I started playing was because my mates' dad ended up running Colton right. under under whatever it had been next under nine. Under nine, so. yeah. Um, and then pretty much we all joined from that class. We all just joined. Started playing. It was just whoever played out ended up playing for Colton yeah, in year is. four, and um, yeah, we we just we started playing there, and I think I played there for like two years. Um, I was always, I mean, I was decent. Don't get me wrong, but mm. but um, obviously didn't stand out for <laughs> for two three years because it didn't want until. The end of under ten, start of under eleven. That went. I went into. I got invited into. Yeah. Thorpe Park. And that was just a scout turning up at a game, or. A I went. I went on a one day trial. Okay. I I managed to get on a one day trial. I didn't have to pay. Um, <laughs> you know. How you, how you used to and then um, yeah, he seen me play on that day and just um, then sent a scout out for to the next game and then yeah took me up there. Um, but like I said, scouts had probably been at my games before that, mm. and I did not tickled their fancy. And then on that day, that day. someone must have liked me. So that was under ten, very back end of under ten. Very back end of under ten. You know, like when they do it during the summer. Ah, so you'd have been starting under it. So you'd have been under So you'd have been going under ten. You'd have been going into year six then. Into year six. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which is pretty. Especially when we, look, we were talking before, weren't we, how it is now, like, these clubs wanting kids at yeah. four, four and five. And I think some parents think that if their kid's not in an academy at four, five, six years old, that's it. But 
you and a good few others are a case in point that that, that doesn't have to happen. That, and that was my next question. What do you think they need to be? Kids need to be in these academies at that age. I don't. I don't think it's a necessity. I mean, my group at um, Four Parch. I mean, as if you look at that group as a as a whole, then maybe you'd say, oh, I think twelve out of fourteen of us got pros, and out of that twelve, eight had been there since pre academy. But then if you look at the age group age group below, none none of their pros had been there since pre-academy. Right. They'd all signed later. Yeah, yeah. Um, so out, out, out of my group, there was only four of us who signed later than under nine. So it, it does just depend on, on what... I, I don't think it's a necessity um, because there is people, in case me, um, there's loads of people, mm. absolutely loads, um, and it, it, don't, it don't define it. Um, does it help? Who knows? Yeah, that's the. Thing. I think that's what some people think. You'd say, okay, well they're getting, well they will be getting better coaching. Yep. Um, they'll be training a couple more times a week probably than, than the than the friends. Things have changed slightly now, haven't they, anyway, with with regards pre academies where they can still be playing. Yeah. For for grassroots, that 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 didn't used to happen. If you yep. if you were there, that were it. You didn't play any more football. But, so, yeah, it, I think it's just something parents think about. Something we hear a lot is, oh well. It, the most the hell bent on getting a kid in an academy at five or six years old, but yeah, hopefully anybody listening now just understands that doesn't need to happen. I think as long as you're keeping them in the right environment, they're playing regularly. They enjoy themselves. So. Exactly. Yeah. Biggest part, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, that it's just interesting because you're you're one of two of of the players that we that we're very aware of that the, the second that we're coaching at the minute that we think will probably go all the way. And he too didn't join one till later on. And his yeah. mum, his mum thinks that he developed a bit more of a, a grit and a determination by playing more grassroots football. Plus, he enjoyed it more because he was with his pals, yeah. less pressure, so he could try more things, which that's has then helped him. Yeah, to, that's a big one. Yeah. Obviously, I feel like parents whose kids have been there for a while in that kind of system, their expectation as a parent for some reason starts to pile pressure onto a kid. Yeah. Because, um, I don't know, you see kids who are at seven are unbelievable and by the time they get to nine, might have had a growth spurt or something. And, you know, a lot of things have changed but the parents still expect the same thing and putting the pressure on when they yeah, were seven yeah. scoring X amount of goals in games, which as a coach, obviously, we know it's, it's not, it's not about that kind, not, not about them, them things, more about how they are actually playing, how they are actually enjoying themselves. Yeah. Um, I think it stifles creativity, doesn't it? If they're constantly, yeah. you see those kids that they'll do something and constantly then look over look at over the parents. To parents. It's, it's, it's the worst. Yeah, kind. you can spot and, it. Around. Yeah, coaches spot it more often. It, it becomes a, a negative point. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And if they're not prepared to, if they aren't relaxed, they won't try those things that might make them stand out. That little that little flick pass or something yeah. that might just be the difference. That you think, oh, well, yeah. Or just being brave on the ball, like not going for a simple pass, maybe trying to beat someone yeah. instead and... Because probably when they get the ball, parents are shouting, pass it, pass it, because that's the easiest pass on. But obviously, maybe the coach wants, wants him to pretend to pass and go the other way. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it does just, it, it becomes, they're almost coaching from the side. And then they don't, know, they don't necessarily know what's being asked from the coach. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. it then obviously sends the kids mixed messages and then they get obviously a bit 
confused and then that's when they do end up just playing the simple pass and you know limiting their game to what 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 is being asked of them on the side rather than what's what yeah, the coach yeah. is asking of them a robot yeah. basically talk about your parents then so you 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 joined this team with your mates just played street football up until that point what how did they approach it what were their behavior like on the sideline and how did they support i think grassroots but i feel like there's more knowledge now to how parents should be mm. than there was necessarily then but my parents had never shout directly at me but back in them days at grassroots the side like if you were front goal it'd be like go go, go. Yeah, yeah, rather, yeah, yeah. rather than like telling you to shoot it'd just be they'd just be um, it, like telling you they'd, they'd want the team to score rather than it wouldn't be oh Luke shoot 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 yeah, so yeah. If, if whenever they were shouting they were shouting that on the side rather than instructions at me yes yeah, yeah. Um, like more encouragement yeah, type stuff more yeah. encouragement and not just to me to, to the to the full team not, not just to me um, obviously when I got back in the car, my dad was probably a bit, a bit harsher than me looking, me knowing what I know now, harsher than needed, or okay. more instructive than needed. Mm. Um, but that was after the game. That was after the game, never yeah, before, yeah. never during, yeah, anything yeah. like that. Interesting. Just after. Um, but yeah, no pressure. Um, I suppose when I when I did start to go in on trial and place and stuff. I wouldn't say it was the pressure from them. I would say because you, at, when you're my age rather than a, my age when I went in, rather than a six, seven year old, you actually understand why you're going in. Yeah, yeah, like you're these, older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These, kids, yeah. these kids who are younger just think, oh, they're training at Leeds United and they probably know people who they're going to train with because they've played against them or played with them yeah. or whatever. Um, obviously, I went into a group that were had mainly been together since they were seven, eight, I didn't know anyone. And at 10, 11, you know why you're going in there. Yeah, yeah. It's to, a to point, get that. signed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. whether my parents had have put the pressure on me or not, I think at that age, you'd, you'd have felt it anyway. Mm. Like, you'd have been nervous to turn up. I, I was nervous to turn up. Um, and that probably did limit me at, 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 at first. Uh, but through the full thing, parents were just supportive. Um, like I say, never, ever coached me on the pitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember once... Uh, my dad tried it and, you know, being being the kid I was, I, I turned around and had to tell him to be quiet, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, yeah, they, they, they were spot on for, like I say, the only other time we talked about football was probably after. Yeah. Um, after things had gone on, about things that had happened. And obviously, because, like I say, I was a bit older, and especially as I went older, 12s, 13s, 14s, when we'd speak after the game, it, it would actually be like, it'd be more of a chance for me to reflect yeah, about what yeah, they yeah. saw yeah. and try to tell them. And that would help me understand what people were seeing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I could explain to them why I was doing it because because they weren't getting at me. I could expl- I could explain to them all. The coach asked me to do the... And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, though, like... It, you make the point about grassroots when I, I'm older than you by by a long way and I think it's worse now mm. than it was when we were kids which yeah. is mental to say <laughs> when you think <laughs> look at, we were playing like 11 aside football at 8 years old or something and you know all these dads and mums around and screaming and shouting but like you say when I, when I think back a lot of the time it was 
shouting for the team. Yeah, not, it, not at you. <laughs> it won't at you. Yeah. It won't at other players. Mm-hmm. And it won't, you know, there were a bit, you know, a bit of banter between the sidelines sometimes, but a lot of the time it was just that. It was just encouraging the team. Whereas now, you've all of a sudden got a load of coaches you've on. Got a, yeah, you've got a manager, you've got a coach on for each kid, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so one where to go coach, and yeah. stuff. And it's like, yeah, that I've n- I'd, I'd never thought about that. And then when you said it, like, how the grassroots environment was back then, I was, I was just thinking back and it was like, the first thing I thought, if you were throwing goal, it wouldn't be like, oh, Luke, you need to shoot. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like, oh, goal, goal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but yeah, that's how it's different it, now. It is massively different. We, we could do another another <laughs> episode on that, just talking about the behaviour and how it, you know, what, what what's what's the problems around it. But today it's that, it's looking at what, you know, you going through this journey. But you, so they... I like what you're saying about your dad in the car afterwards, because that, that was very much like me with my granddad. My mm-hmm. granddad, silent, encouraging, but then in the car it were like, you know, if I'd played bad, it won't it won't a rollicking, yeah. but it were like, you know, making me away. The worst thing for him was if I hadn't tried. Yeah. Which was rare. But if I'd if I'd if I if he could tell that I'd not run as much as I should have done yeah. or helped the team as that that was when he went in on me. In the night, you know, not he started getting on to me a little bit. It was more the effort thing. Yeah. Um, and he might, you know, he might make some suggestions around if I'd played a, a, a bad pass, you know, what could I have done better, that sort of thing. And it was more like, a bit more questioning yeah. than telling some of the times. But the only the only thing he did tell was when, if the effort wasn't there, which looking back now, I think, yeah, I'm with my kids... They're only little, but once they get a bit older and they're doing something you like exactly, it's yeah. like especially because he's he's driven me there. That, <laughs> that that was the thing, and obviously by the time we got to four parts, it were whoever we're taking on, my mum, my dad, my granddad, whoever it was. The big thing would be, it's a big commitment mm. to be there, and it's three, four, sometimes five times a week if you're playing up and stuff like that, and it's like they're, they're sacrificing a lot of their life and their time. To do that for you, um, and like you said, the least you can do is the effort. Yeah, um, definitely. And, and actually wanting to be there. So, you get into the academy, you leave grassroots behind. Talk to us from there, then, because things, you know, it goes a bit crazy from here, doesn't it? Really, in yeah. terms of your, what happened from there. Yeah. Um, so, first year, struggled. When I first went in, I was on trial for a while. It was longer than a six-week trial. Okay. I ended up having to have like two or three pretty much back-to-back mm-hmm. um, because I was going through a massive growth spurt, all this kind of stuff. Um, couldn't really find my legs. I was physically probably better than some of the kids there, but mm. technically way off. Okay. Um, because at, of the growth spurt point, or because yeah, of... Because yeah, of, mainly because of the growth spurt. I mean... Genuinely, I was my legs were. You know, you see kids' legs and they're ready to grow, so yeah. they're really thin yeah. but long. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I, that's how I looked, and um, I, the level of what I was playing at before that point, and then after my growth spurt was just it was it was crazy really? because I I just couldn't find my legs, and that pretty much went on. They ended up signing me, obviously, and then that still went on for around another year. Before you move on, then, because that's a point that that's an interesting point for parents listening. How I've coached kids before, one to one, that were going through these growth spurts, and my approach to it was just keep getting the reps in, keep getting the reps in, keep playing. Don't 
think about it, don't do anything differently, and it'll it'll almost come back. It's like I likened it to when you go uh, on six week holidays at school and you don't write for yeah. six weeks, and, and you, you come, come back, back and you're like, write, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but did did you do anything in particular to get through it? At first, no. I just carried on training, carried yeah. on playing. Um, I mean, you know, when you get Osgood Slatas. Yeah. So I got that, so I had to sit out for a bit. And then when I came back, it was just carried on playing, carried on playing, carried on playing. Um, and then all the way until I got told that, like, under 12s, I had, like, a two- or three-week period that if performances hadn't picked up, that I wouldn't be getting in. Because they do it in... So it'd be nines to twelves, yep. and then twelves to fourteens, fourteens to sixteens, yep. and then score or not. So I got told that, uh, a few weeks before the end of that under twelve season that, you know, if performances hadn't picked up, that I won't be getting a new contract right. for twelve to fourteen. See, so you're only in what year seven? Seven, yeah. Year seven there, and it's like fair enough. Um, and anyway, managed to go through that period and. Got, get given another contract and then one massive thing that my parents did for me and um, I did commit to I, I ended up getting a running coach during that summer holidays okay. because because of the growth spurt it looked like when I was running I couldn't run I don't it, to explain it to you looking back I was so un, unefficient when I was running mm. back all coming over and legs were all over the shop and I pretty much, <laughs> I pretty much started running, mm. um, just to like you say, get the reps in, of getting used to moving your body again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I came back at the start of the under thirteen season, just phew, I'd found my. You ready? I'd found my body again. And you've been playing. You've been still been playing football yeah, during yeah, off season yeah, as well, yeah, getting yeah, a, like, out on the street and stuff. Still, yeah, yeah, nice. I mean, I I, I wouldn't say I stopped playing football with my mates until. Genuinely, we'd be like 16 on Monston Park on courts. Class. Until I left school, probably. Yeah. yeah. Even if it was just heads and V's, but when we went out... It's heads and volleys for those that don't know. Yeah. Don't know the terms. <laughs> <laughs> Best game in the world. Anytime we, anytime we went out, we went out to play football. Yeah. Me. We were still kids at that point, which is... I mean, looking at 14, 15, 16-year-olds now... Yeah, you question if they yeah, do yeah. do if they do go and do that. They, but they were the best days though. That like like you say, Manston Park is yeah. that's where I was, and it's like you just think back now, even just sticking your mate in goal and just doing shots against yeah. it. But it was just brilliant, and yeah, it's. It, and you'd always finish with a game and stuff, and it. it you learn you learn so much, didn't you? That's yeah. that's that's what we try to replicate at Foot Tech is that street football, but for now because the kids yeah. don't do it anymore. But it's that freedom of play. Don't worry, we'll coach and guide, but. We're not shouting and instructing all the yeah. time. It's freedom and, and they're just, it's great. It's its so important. But that's interesting that because, yeah, the growth spurt thing, I think a lot of parents listening to this, they'll either go through it with their child or they've already, or they're through it at the minute. At the minute yeah. And it's a tough one because he, he feels, the, the, I remember the boy that I coached and I felt so sorry for him because he was a fantastic player. And then it was just like he'd forgotten how to yeah. play football. It, it's, it is a weird thing that happens and you can't help it. Mm. so you just got to I think different patterns of movement are, are looking back would be massive to help it like playing different sports maybe yeah playing mm. different sports um, just getting your body moving in different ways yeah, just yeah. so you get used to it in all kind of as, kind of aspects like I wasn't I'd, I'd never ran before but just doing that other activity alongside playing football mm. just 
the reps of running and running, it, it does kind of mimic football in terms of obviously you're running football. Obviously, when you're playing badminton, you run a bit and you, or you move across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But running and football kind of go hand in hand, which was massive. I'm not talking like just going on jogs, but I'm talking like sprints. And that's when I find, I, working through all that, that's when I then found myself yeah, playing yeah, football yeah. better again. Yeah. Um, Probably a confidence thing as well, isn't it? Where you're thinking like, I'm working one-to-one with this with this coach. Yeah. Maybe that gave you a little bit of a boost anyway. 100%. Um, so you get through that. You do get the next contract, yeah. and then from yeah. there, um, we went we went away at the start of under thirteens to Ireland. Uh, I remember when we won that tournament, played pretty much every game. Um, we came back, and like I say, I I I was enjoying playing football for mm-hmm. one. I was playing a lot of football, just going out with my mates and that still. Um, and I'd fa- I'd got past this growth but bit which was massive and um, yeah I just started improving um, got given captain at the, about that age nice um, played pretty much every game about a month or two in started playing up um, and yeah sometimes playing two two years up I was training up. Uh, 13 year old kid enjoying football yeah living life pretty much yeah yeah. and then it comes to scholarship yeah and then the end of that year um, end of that year so between end of 13 and start of 14 got offered my got offered a pre-scholarship which I think you've said before at the time you were young yeah, to get yeah, that. Yeah. that that was I think even still now it's, it's rare you'll get many yeah. at that age there was me and um, Jack Clark yeah that, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, so the interesting thing with you is you came through with Jack Clark, didn't yeah. you? And obviously he's at Sunderland now, Sunderland isn't he? Doing, doing well. Fine. Yeah. Um, and obviously you were on the same path as yeah. that. So you've gone, you've got your pre-scholar and then obviously flying, captain the yeah. team, playing up and all that. And then what happens after that? Uh, 14s playing up as well. Uh, 14s playing up at 15s and 16s. Yeah. Travelling with the 18s, I think I did it three or four times during that season, which were massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then all that brilliant. And then at the end of 15s, got called up to play for Scotland. Um, got called up to first play for their 16. So I was playing a year up, just the way birthdays fall. Yeah. Obviously, they do it year to year rather than September to September. Oh, Scotland do? Yeah. Never knew that. Do it January to December. Ah, nice. Um, yeah. And obviously, being the end of December, I was young anyway. Yeah. Because I was playing up, I was like a um, year and a half younger than. Yeah, so you'd have been one of the older ones if you, in the yeah, traditional in English my, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But take it back there, I'm the youngest. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it, it was. And that, that's and that, that was another thing. It was like when I went, I first went away and realised that's how the birthdays ran. Like, I was going away with some of the Scottish lads who were had started their score and started getting paid right and I just finished under 15 and it was like yeah that's a learning curve well turned up and obviously it was you had to like get in the jacuzzi and hot pool and stuff for recovery and that and um, like they had hairs on their chest and that I'm like I'm paired (laughs) I'm 15 (laughs) scrawny kid just getting into pool Uh, never really stayed away from home and stuff Um, and that, that were like 
two and a half week away. Did any of them, uh, any of them go on to make it? Yeah, a lot. Um, Lewis Ferguson was playing at um, Bologna. All oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, Glenn Middleton was back at Rangers. I'm not sure where he is now. But there's a few, and the, the standards were very, very good. Yeah, Stephen Welsh, who played for Celtic last year, the year before maybe. Um, don't know where he's at now, but yeah, the standard was all good. Standard was better than expected, and obviously the age thing was massive as well. Good learning curve though, and then obviously back to Leeds, and yeah. then you get the full scholarship. Then do you? So then did the sixteen season again, all fine, and then yeah, I start my scholarship the end of under sixteen. So when I left school, okay, and then so. We'll talk about one of the things I want to talk to you about today is what you would have done differently. But I think it's important, like for those listening, just to hear the end of this story mm. or the end of the playing story, anyway. Yeah. So you sign the scholarship, and then talk us through from there up to. Um, my first year was going very well. Uh, we had a strong squad. My group and the group above us were filled with players, sharks. Uh, Liam Kitchen, Alfie McCown, Robbie Gotts, me, Oliver Casey, Jack Clark, Bobby Kamwa, uh, Ryan Emerson. We had Niall Huggins, Fields, and we, the, the squad were a joke, and they mm. knew that this is a chance for the club. I think they'd not won it in like 12 years or whatever it was. Um, it was a chance for them to go and do it, and we ended up doing it. We won the league at the end of that season. I played pretty much every game until the end of April mm. or the middle of April. Um, we'd been to Qatar and stuff and nice. um, played tournaments abroad, won all them. Um, and then it got to the end, end of April and we were going to Spain a few days after. Um, and for about three months I'd been playing with almost like now looking back, it was shin, shin splints. Okay. But at that point, I just thought like I had a bruise on my leg, mm. and it won't go anywhere. Um, I I played, played, played from January till middle of April, and then in the game on the weekend before I went to Spain, the physio liked me. Are you okay? And I said like, Yeah, I just feel like I've got a bruise on my shin. He was like, Yeah, but you're limping now. So I was like, Right. Uh, he sent me for a scan. Um, I got the results back the day after, and I had a stress fracture in my shin. Um, you been playing on it? Yeah, for like, but it it, it probably won't a stress uh, won't a stress fracture the full time. Ah, okay. Because at, at first the pain wasn't as bad. It's probably shin splints at first, but because I had been playing on it for so long, it did develop into a stress fracture, which yeah. is apparently what happens. I don't know. Ah, okay. Um, and then, yeah, still ended up going to Spain, so I got free holiday. Um, <laughs> but I was in a boot for about four months um, at first, and then I came back, was doing rehab and stuff, felt all right. This was going into my second year after we just won the league. Um, so I'd done, done all my rehab, and then I was coming back aiming for like the start start of the season. I'd miss all the pre-season, but I'd be fit, ready for the first game. Um, and I'm training, and it felt like it had gone up first. Mm. Um, and then like three or four weeks in, the pain came back. Mm. 
again, I didn't tell anyone. At that point, it's it's massive because you know that the only way you can carry on going in that kind of profession is by playing. Mm. You're not going to go any further by being injured for months and months and months mm. and months. So I, I was thinking, get another good few performances in at least, hopefully the pain goes and I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. Um, played 30 minutes first game back, was okay. Um, played 60 minutes the game after, was in pain, but was okay. Played a full 90, was in pain. Um, and we had a game two days after in a cup. And I knew I was going to be selected to start again. Mm. Um, so I, I got through the 90, went home, re recovery, all that stuff. And then started the other game, played the full 90 again on the Monday. Um, but at the end again, the physio came up to me and he was like, you're limping again. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in a bit of pain. Sent me for a scan. I had another stress fracture in my shin again. Shit, same, same shin, shin, same uh, shin, uh, same place, everything. Now at that point, I was in a boot then for nine months, uh, eight months. Wow. From September to what has it been, March <laughs> or whatever it was. Um, no improvement really. Just going in every day to upper body gym work, whatever. Um, and at that point, you had to be—you had to be pretty much the first one in. You had to be the last one to leave if you were injured. Um, what is that? Just just from a like, a, just for them seeing your point of view. Like, yeah, I think so. And just to still be around it. I mean, it—it's very. You hear stories all the time when even pro players get injured because their schedule is probably what in at ten. They can leave at yeah, half yeah. twelve. They just become a bit detached from everything that's going on. Um, and I think Jacko, uh, Mark Jackson. Credit to him. That was your manager. Yeah, he's seen it as um, a chance for me to. So I still travelled to every every away game. Mm -hmm. I was there at every home game. I was in the change room, all that stuff. That's good. But yeah, which were massive. Mm. Um, for your head as much as all. Yeah, yeah, just to still be a part of it. It felt mm. like there were a reason you were still there. Yeah, not just yeah, yeah. turning up every day in a boot, getting a massage, going to the gym, and then getting told that it's not really getting any better. Okay, and then I ended up having to have surgery on that. Um, which were putting a metal pole down my shin, screws across my knee, screws across my ankle. Um, and that took about three months to get back from. Again, spent like two of it in a boot. Um, when, when I came out of it, my leg would just, my calf would, no muscle, quad, no muscle. And so you'd, you'd spent, what, 12 months now, pretty much, injured? It's not more, yeah. 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 By that, by this point, I probably spent about after the surgery, and by the time I got back running, it'd been about four, fourteen months, thirteen, fourteen. Months. Wow. And um, what what age group was that then? That the by the time you came back from the injury. So by the time I came back from that, I was just about to start my first year pro. Right. Which I'd I'd signed that at my, in my first year. So and and you'd signed that when you weren't injured, or did you? When did I weren't the, injured. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you signed the pro deal, which is the the big thing. Yeah. Then you get injured. You have yeah. this 14 months out, there or thereabouts. So you're about to start playing again. About to start, started running. Uh, got through pre-season with everyone. Brilliant. Uh, got to first game before we had Bradford in pre-season. No, 23s game. 23s. And um, I, blocked like a, I blocked a pass in training on the Friday. 
and I shattered like three ligaments in my ankle. In the same leg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On my right leg still, yeah. I shattered three ligaments in my ankle. Wow. And do you think that was that was down to the fact that it was probably wasn't as strong as Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. And from that major surgery I, I I got back within three three and a half, four months. How old were you now? Only eighteen. So you're eighteen, you signed a pro Seventeen. Seven, you were seventeen. Just, I was just about to turn eighteen. So you were seventeen when you yeah. signed the pro, and then you go through this injury hell, and then you come back. You're yeah. just about to turn eighteen, about to start playing for twenty threes, and then this happens in training. Yeah. <laughs> and then I ended up obviously having to have. I had surgery on that within two, three weeks of it of it happening. Um, I think I had to have two weeks of strengthening, and then I had to go straight in for surgery. And what pretty much happened from that surgery it was meant to be ten weeks, and I'd be back running, uh-huh. uh, which were buzzing. It was a short, short amount of time um, compared to what I'd had. Yeah. And then after the surgery, I came out of the pot, and pretty much like my my calf switched off in my right leg because obviously it's probably not been used in about yeah yeah <laughs> properly in ages. So that switched off, and then I mean that took honestly. Until I left, didn't play another game. Until I left. So you were eighteen. You were turning yeah. eighteen at that point. When by this point, I'd, after the surgery, I was probably eighteen. Yeah. And then when did you leave? Covid. So to I started twenty twenty ish. Yeah, so I'd have been nineteen when I left. You're nineteen, and that was because your pro deal had run out, or had they just said you're injured and. So, my deal was about to run out. What did covid it in the? 20 to March 2020 March. so mine was up in the May mm. of that year um, and we had a Zoom call they, they had a Zoom call with everyone whose contract were up and up we said I'm going on the Zoom call expecting it to be it's times probably up yeah. which is what did happen um, but credit to them they, they sorted me out with loads of stuff clubs in touch with okay. um, I was still in touch with the physio with the SNC person yeah that's good um, because you get some clubs, don't you, where you're released and you're released, that's it. Yeah, no... I think it did happen to a few. Did it? From that time. Mm. A few that had been there for a while as well. Um, yeah, this is the, and this is one thing that I think parents need to understand is that, you know, you've probably had a half-decent experience after yeah, post that, but there's plenty of others yeah. at a lot of clubs that are released after being there, maybe from five, and that's all they know. Yeah, and mentally what that must do to somebody and, and unfortunately we've seen the worst of that in the last few years well a boy from man city that took his life yeah. it, it's a hard thing and i think you this is what parents need to prepare themselves for and their child because kids. you were you're still a, at 19 you, you are a kid you're yeah. still a kid you don't and <laughs> you you lived the dream you got the yeah. pro deal which every child in playing football wants you got that and then you just had it all taken away from yeah. you through no fault of your own and, and like you said, they, they were spot on with me mm. compared to how other clubs are with certain people um, who've been released. Obviously, I have mates who've been released from other clubs and it's been just Very season. Yeah. yeah, and then not really in contact again. Like I said, they, they sent me out to other clubs. They made me a highlight video to send to other clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was in physio, SNC, all that stuff. Um, and COVID probably came at a an untimely time obviously for everyone but for me in terms of playing wise 
I was genuinely about to get back fit at that point. Yeah. Um, so I was out running and I was joining in training and then obviously COVID came and it's like train on your own and I've not got a club to go back to now. So it's like, right, what am I going to do here? But I've noticed this view as well, obviously you've been with us now for at Foot Tech for about 18 months or so and you do have a mindset of like you you know, if you need to do your rehab, if you need to go to the gym, you do it, don't you? There's yeah, no excuses. And so, no, so were you out keeping fit? During that time, I would probably fit still have been yeah, yeah. during COVID because i just seen it as I've, even during this time, I've got more time to make up. I've not played football in two, properly in two and a half years. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how am I going to get myself back yeah. and ready to the level that I need to be at? Um, and fitness wise, it was the fittest I've ever been. Quickest, strongest. Taste, mm. all that stuff but then what I did realise was when I went to go play football because during that time you're training by yourself and just against the wall yep. or in between cones and stuff like that when I did go back to playing football and because I'd had all that time before not, not playing football consistently I was miles away from what I, I could do I was absolutely miles away and this is like this is something we speak about a lot because we get so many requests for like one to one training and this yeah. and that like this is a very different scenario but <clears throat> for parents listening you this is why a group session the right group session trumps individual training private training with a coach all the time because mm. you can do that you can get in inverted commas technically very good at kicking a ball but once you put that into the game scenario, and this is a this is a lad that were pro, a professional footballer, <laughs> he made it as a pro, and, you, and you're saying when you got put back into that group thing, we're not saying there's not a place for it, of course there is, and, and every pro that's ever made it will say that they did some stuff on their own. What we're saying is that you need to combine it with the right group session, the right environment, right ability level and so forth, otherwise it's a waste of time. You're just yeah. going to get good at kicking a ball against the wall or that's, that juggling around. That's what happened. I, I got good at without any opposition I could grass cutter a ball both feet yeah. I could finger 60 yard diagonal with both feet <laughs> but in a game when there's actual players where I've got to, I've yeah. got to choose where to grass cut a ball with both feet it's like it doesn't really happen you know yeah, what I mean yeah. uh, so but at that point I'd not realised that I'd never had to do st- stuff like that I'd never really done a one to I'd never done a one to one session well you'd not had to because you're out with your mates yeah that's what I mean I, whenever I was playing I was just I was playing against somebody even if since some of my mates are awful <laughs> but, <laughs> but they were a defender that moves. They were a defender that yeah. moves. And you can't just go in, in between two cones. Uh, you had to actually be him. And the, they were a keeper in net, probably. So you had to, you had to yeah. go and be yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So you come out, yeah, well. we get a cut, and then you ended up... Were it Bradford Park Avenue you ended yeah, up at next? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, started bouncing about non-league. Which is, yeah, so that's non-league, which is yeah. obviously for you, personally. And was that just because... The timing, like the, the COVID timing and, you know, clubs, I guess, were in a bit of a situation where they can't really scout players, they can't really do much. So was that just the... I, I seen Bradford Park and I went to Halifax as well. Um, I seen all that time as just... I've missed out on so many games of, like, academy games. Mm. I need to go and play some actual games and quick to, so I can catch up with everyone yeah. else. So I went down to Bradford Park... And what I realised was well, that football's probably a lot more real than playing under-23s football to what a first-team level is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a good move from me. And I, I managed there to put like five or six games together back-to-back, no, no injuries, nice. which were like 
fantastic for yeah, me. Yeah. So it didn't matter. It didn't matter the level really. It just mattered that I was playing again mm-hmm. um, and enjoying it. But like I said, admit I was missing a lot mm-hmm. from what what I could do before. You, so, so from from an individual perspective. Yeah, you know, from an individual. And perspective. was that? Did you think you're missing it and you can't get it back, or you were missing it because no, you'd not played as much? I knew I was missing it, but it, would be, it felt like because I'd not played as much. It was just. I don't know, you've, you've played football before. You, sometimes, back then, I felt like I had so much time on the ball. I felt like I had so much time on the yeah, ball. But yeah. it was because I had like little subtle movements yeah, to make yeah, an angle. And then my so. first touch was better. Or, yeah, and yeah. I had a, more, a better awareness of what was going around. When I was playing football then, I know it was men's football compared to academy football. But when I was playing football then, it was like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. Stuff's happening quicker. Yeah. Plus, but, plus, you're dealing with a different a different standard where it's going to yeah. be a lot more scrappy. Exactly. Yeah, certainly at that point. Yeah, um, exactly. You're just to be full of players like me that just like kicking it and editing it. <laughs> <laughs> First game, I had like a broken nose and two broken fingers. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, this isn't what I need. <laughs> so you get your games up and all that and then then you get the chance again, don't you, really, to yeah. rekindle. We had, um, there was a second lockdown, I remember. Like a second, like little yeah, break. Want, want that November? Yeah, November, a little break in football. Like a month. Yeah, um, and then I left that all about, and then I started training by by myself again because Bradford Park were pretty much game game by game. Mm-hmm. So you didn't sign up, you just game by game, and then they'd give you some money. Yeah, um, and then started training by myself again, and then Richard Nailer, who's the easy academy manager at Hull. He was at Leeds, though, wasn't he? He was at yeah. Leeds, yeah. Um, he asked me to go into Hull. Well, my agent and him were obviously close. Mm-hmm. And he'd asked if I could go into Hull to just train against people. Because this is what I'd been trying to relate to my agent. I'm fit. So your, your agent asked yeah, me yeah, yeah. Okay. I said, I'm fit as old, but whenever I'm playing, I feel like I don't know what's going on. Because yeah, yeah. I'm just kicking the ball against yeah. the wall in between cones. Uh, went into Hull, trained with their 23s for... Honestly, ages. So, if the lockdown were in November for a month, I went in probably just after Christmas, mm-hmm. around January, until the end of that season, pr- pretty much. Um, and I ended up playing a few games for their twenty threes. Just got my game time up, which from them was spot on. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, we both knew when I went there, th- there was no chance of me signing. Um, there was no intention from them. There was no intention from me. I didn't want to play twenty threes football anymore. Mm-hmm. And by that point, I was twenty. Mm-hmm. which I know it's under 23s but if you're still playing 23s football at 22, 23 then yeah, you're there's, there's something wrong yeah, yeah. Um, and then he ended up recommending me to someone who had done his A licence with in Scotland um, at Adrian and I went up there at the start of that pre-season so 21 and this is Adrian United Adrian Owens yeah uh, and their championships Scotland. in Scottish, yeah. yeah. Um, went up, trained for I think I did five sessions with them, two games, and yeah, offered me offered me a deal. Uh, based it on we want to see how much you can play within within a year, mm-hmm. which were the right choice from them, obviously. Um, started the season bang on pre-season, conceded one goal. And it went from open play. And you were playing centre back. Playing centre back, uh, conceded a penalty. That's the only goal we conceded in like 
Did you give away the penalty? Five years. No, I didn't. <laughs> never, never, never been booked, me. Have you not? No. Rolls Royce. Never been Rolls booked. Royce defender. <laughs> never been booked. Um, and then, yeah, first game of the season. So played in this like little pre-season cup, ended up winning it. Um, and we had a couple of cup games, I played in them, beat Motherwell at home, mm. all this stuff. Uh, first game of the season played. And then was playing Queen's Park at Firhill. Decent ground, like bang on. Yep. Uh, corner came in, and I've jumped up, won the header, and some big, big guys jumped under me. Obviously, when you jump up for a header, you like this. Uh-huh. And he's jumped under my arm, and popped my shoulder up. Right. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know straight away because, I mean, it, I don't know if it, it didn't pop back in, but I don't. I was just running a bit funny, and then someone took a throw in, and I had to like sprint to go close someone down, and this arm just didn't move. Uh, I had to just put my hand up to physio and then had surgery on that again uh, about two weeks later but that, that that were quick and at that point because I'd got the taste for it again I was motivated like in terms of my rehab yeah. it's probably the best rehab I'd ever done even when I was at Leeds yeah. compared to all that I was motivated then because I'd got the taste for it I managed to get back after 10 weeks after surgery, which was pretty quick. Um, played a cup game, won, clean sheet, played this, and then it was first v second, and I was starting, uh, only my second game back, and then, yeah, cleared the ball for line and shattered my kneecap. You, did you slid into a post? Slid into a post? Slid into the goal post, yeah. Cause I remember you showing me the video, you slid into yeah. the goal post. Clearing a ball, yeah, and you said you said you shattered your kneecap. I shattered my kneecap. My fibula had popped out. Uh, I tore like six ligaments in my knee. Somewhere. And was this the same leg that all the other stuff had happened on? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was first, first. That, that, that's how I played football. It was first few second big game. Um, in that position as well. It's, yeah, you, you do it, don't it, you? It was like the twenty fifth minute or something. I won't like it with the last minute, but that's just how I play football. Conceding yeah. a goal was that's yeah, yeah. was massive. Yeah, yeah. You didn't want to concede a goal. That's the um, right way to be in those yeah. positions. And I, I, I took pride in that. And um, I'm not saying I was a big centre-half went and I did it, but defending-wise mm. and like the art of it, I did enjoy that bit. That was probably my favourite part, part of, of playing. But yeah, after that, I managed to actually get up and carry on playing for like, well, however long to half-time, 20 minutes just hobbling about the pitch um, and then went in at half time sat down uh, just give the half time team talk and he's went Luke you okay I'm like yeah I'll go back out and I couldn't stand up and that's when I knew like something's gone on here I think just the the adrenaline of the moment and yeah. stuff when it all happened I just I literally just you can see on the video, I push myself back up and I'm just ready to go again um, but when I sat down it, it was bad I think I was obviously you wear little GPS vests mm-hmm. um, I was going like 21 mile an hour right. wow yeah so we don't need to really dwell on that bit too nah. much because it's not you know it's not the nicest of memories but basically fast forward a few months that ended your playing career didn't yeah, it yeah, yeah. and that was it yeah so yeah let's let's 
obviously, you know, the good news is for everybody listening, it's not all doom and gloom because he came Come to what? work. Came to work at Foot Tech. <laughs> 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 but no, you came back to Leeds. Obviously, yeah. you know, you, we, we we ended up talking, and and then you you're now starting your coaching career and have been yeah. for the last uh, the last couple of years or so. Um, which is going great, obviously, you know, not just with us, but Notre Dame, and you obviously then at, at Leeds, back yeah. at Leeds, where it all began for you in that system, coaching the kids of, of the, the future pros, yeah. I suppose, which I think learning from you and knowing you as a coach and how good you are, I think that's a, a fantastic thing for them. And I, and as we've said numerous times to you, we can see you going a long, long, long way with your coaching. So this is what we want to talk a little bit more now, is looking back, at some of the stuff you might have done differently as a player that you can advise young players now and parents listening to this, some of the differences you see with academy football and, and high-level grassroots. So we'll mm-hmm. talk about that now. So, yeah, let's talk about... I think, think a big thing would be what, what would you have done differently looking back if you could summarise point two? Um, so when you're like 13, 14, you go for day release which is like you go up to four parts when you're supposed to be in school uh-huh. and you do you take your school work with you pretty much there and there's set times to do school work um, I'd have taken that more seriously after finding out I got my score I'd have probably taken school more seriously I mean I passed all, all my GCSEs I didn't get lower than a B but I could have done a lot better okay. if I'd have pushed myself um, and then when you're a scholar, obviously you do a BTEC, so you get a BTEC in sport and excellence. I'd have done something else alongside that. That was, you do a BTEC in sport and excellence and you level two coaching, which mm-hmm. is good. Yeah. But I'd have done something away from that in case when I stopped playing, I completely fell out of, with football. I fell out of the football. Yeah, if yeah. if that would have happened, I'd have needed something else to complete to do completely different. He'd spoke about maybe doing something like. Finance, finance or, yeah, yes. some of that, that I enjoyed when I was in school and that I could have taken further. Yeah. Um, it's a good point that about because I think you'd automatically just think, oh, well, I'll just get into coaching. But you're right that some people, some kids just fall out of love with football, yeah. don't want to. And some, and, so, and some people love football but don't want to work with kids. Yeah. yeah so this, it's mean, a good point. When, it, when I first got injured, I did fall out. I couldn't watch it on the TV. After I said, I couldn't watch it on the TV, nothing. And then we had we ended up having a proper good end, end to the season, you know, a couple of nights out on that, and just being in that team thing, I thought I, I can't really ever leave this. Yeah. I'm far too far in, but um, yeah, so having a complete different would be would be a good option. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good piece of advice. Anything on the the playing side? Because I, I think it's tough to say with your playing side because you clearly did what you needed to do, but would you have done anything differently training wise? I, I, I could have done more. I mean, it's one thing that obviously, if if there were a regret, looking back, I could have done more when I was fit. I could have done more in terms of individual training mm-hmm. um, when I was at that full time period. I think from youth to under sixteens, I I pretty much did everything I could. I was playing football all the time. I looked after myself. Never did. I was stupid. I think you get to that age and then. Life obviously comes into it, yeah. and and you start you start socialising on weekends and oh. stuff like that. Um, but when I was fit during the afternoons off, I could have done more in terms of technical training. Uh-huh. Um, 
range of passing, range of passing on both feet. Yeah. Because uh, one person, I will say that about Charlie Creswell. Oh He's yeah. obviously a year, young, year younger yeah. than me. Um, Where is he now? He's still at Leeds. He's, oh, of course he's, he's been yeah. on the bench on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Um, credit to him that he something he did extremely well. So he just stayed behind and he took his chance. And he and he, so you're talking there like he'd maybe be on his own, just doing yeah whatever. But the difference going back to what we said before, the difference was and is that he's been in group training. Yeah, yeah, X yeah. amount of times yeah, per yeah, week. Yeah. He was just doing the little extras that, that might be the one percent. That that when when the when you talk about the very very top and improving yourself in the slightest way possible. Yeah, it might be that you've done that pass sixty times with no one there, and then you end up trying it in a game, and it might not work, and it might work, or it might work, but because you've done it sixty times, you might feel more confident in doing it. Got the reps, but um, it, that's all. All it was just the reps. And commitment wise, I always ate right. I looked after my, myself. I, I recovered well. Uh, I was a big fan of yoga, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I would say I, I started taking all that stuff more serious when I got injured. Because yeah. when you're playing, you take it for granted. Yeah. The food stuff and all that, and the, the stretching and the recovery, you're just like, yeah, I can whack out another game easy. In two, in two days yeah. I just need to rest a bit and then do a little training session and I'll be alright Yeah. and then when you get injured that's when it's like we should have done all this when I was fit because <laughs> I'd have been a different I'd have been a different breed but you know um, you learn yeah you learn. of course it's good good advice though I think that I think yeah doing those at lectures I think going back to what we said before we, we, you know with the individual stuff it's that it's like you're talking there at a high level sport where the actual 1% make the difference is don't get that confused with, oh, well, if I just do individual yeah. training or one-to-one training and one group session, I'm good. I'm going to be a pro. You, 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 yeah, you need the 80 90%, not the 1%, yeah, when like, you, certainly when you're starting out. I think we would, we, we train five, six times a week. Yeah. And, and when I'm talking about doing individual training, I'm talking about an hour mm. on, on a Tuesday mm. or an hour on a Thursday. Or maybe you might do it both if, you, if you've only got one game that week. Mm. But take them out and you, there's five, six group sessions that you've been involved in. So you're still, uh, you're still getting what you need. Yeah, which that they probably won't even matter. But I'm talking about improving yourself in the slightest way possible. Yeah. That's when you join that. Yeah. That's when you try to do that. Question I wanted to ask you, what is the biggest difference, differences you see between those high-level grassroots players and then the kids in these academies? and Because obviously you're coaching these academies yeah. now you're coaching grassroots as well, so you see the difference. You hear a lot of, oh, he's a good player, she's a good player, um, standing out at grassroots, but people are confused that they've never been able to get make that transition into that higher-level academy system. What's yeah. the difference? What are they missing? I mean, when it's younger kids, like sevens, eights, you just look for an outstanding quality. Um, it makes... And, Chances are the person who scores twelve goals, if they're only scoring it because they can toe poke it from halfway line and it goes over keeper, then look, people around it will think, oh, he scored twelve goals, brilliant. Someone looking in is just like, he's just, he's obviously more physically developed and can mm. hit, hit the ball quite far. You're looking for obviously game game understanding, and that's even more important when you get to like, obviously at under sevens, game understanding isn't massive if you can 
if you're good 1v1, dominate 1v1, stuff like that, that's obviously more important. But I'm talking when you get to like 10s, 11s, 12s, uh, the game understanding is massive, is absolutely massive, and the difference between it is massive. Um, where to be on the pitch, how to make the pitch bigger, the angles you give, mm. them, them, them tiny, tiny details. It's not always about scoring goals. It's not always about being able to take on every yeah, player on pitch. On take on every player. It's what what people who have obviously been in football and know football will look for is them tiny, tiny details. Um, if and this, this is another thing about obviously grassroots football. If you see a player, you know what they're trying to do, and the execution is just slightly off. But it's one a risk, mm-hmm. and two it'd be a very creative pass or or dribble or whatever it is people from who've been in football can see that whereas in grassroots it's more like ah oh, you should have just played it there well no because he's trying to break a line there between two or three players yeah. um, which shows he understands the game instead of passing it backwards yeah. do you know what I mean Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially for a kid trying to prove himself to, to take risks is obviously massive um, and like I say people who know football will see that that's what he's tried to do. He's tried to make the best decision yeah, at the time based on the information that he's been given, yeah. which for, for, for the players at that higher level, they take in more information because they're, yeah. they, they're, look, they're looking, they're, they're doing the things, they communicate with the environment more yeah. than, than the kids that just 100%. get the ball, get their head down. And, and they understand what's going on around them. They understand how that pass probably could have helped. Yeah. Um, they understand how that, that pass, when he's got, when me as a player, I've got nothing on me, me playing backwards doesn't really help yeah <laughs> it's funny you say it because we i've just done a video for youtube which is about stop coaching kids to play out from the back and and there's loads of comments because that's like sacrilege now yeah it's like no no it's got you don't just whack it up i said no 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 that's not the point if hitting it up to your striker who's in space and closer to goal is the best decision yeah. to make because that striker's there to to, to create the, create the pass do it yeah. Goes for if you can score, score. <laughs> it, it's that we've got coaches now. Grassroots coaching probably has improved, but the problem is they're wanting to play in certain ways that they think is what kids should be doing. But then you're creating robots. No, no, you've got to pass through the thirds. But why? And that's when you see yeah. this kid that will get the ball maybe from his goalkeeper or her goalkeeper, and all of a sudden they'll try this this pass because it was the best decision to make. It might have been a longer pass, but it was the best yeah. decision to make. And it's those kids that will get notice more than the kids that are the robots understand the game yeah it's like you said like how how many times in the Premier League do you see goal, goalkeepers got it two centre backs or whatever split and the pass they end up playing is like a little dinked one into midfield because obviously the two have split and the other team's thought oh we're going to press here yeah and that one pass has probably eliminated one two three four five at least five players but at the minute, it's like, oh no, but that's a long ball. Yeah. Long, long, long. You can't play long balls, no, because Pepsi, you can't play long balls. It's like, no, Ed, I yeah. don't know how many assists Ed, Edison's got exactly. for Man City. But if that ball, all the time. if that ball is a your striker is closest to goal, get the ball to them as fast as you can. Yeah. If you have to play through the thirds and play out from the back and go sideways to make some space, fine. But if the best decision is that, yeah. and that's why you bang right with the kids that, that you notice. You don't, those that know football notice them because they do these things that's like that. And it might just be the players around them aren't good enough. Yeah. They've done that's this the same thing. thing. Yeah. Um, what about mentality? Off, yeah, I was just about to say off the ball. And you can't, you can't say it doesn't involve a 
the ball at all, but being very competitive, wanting to win. I know it's not all about winning, but you, if you went into an academy, you'll find that all the kids care about winning. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously, it's very important that when they get there, they get taught not to take it too far, because it's it's all about the individual rather than winning. But um, yeah, very competitive. Want the ball back. <laughs> if they give the ball away, they want they want the ball back. If the other team's got the ball, they will go and win, win the ball back. Don't matter what play, what position. Okay. Um, they they just have an aggression and an edge to them that I don't know. I've, luckily, I've since being in there, I've never had to teach it, mm. but you notice it straight away mm. and it catches your attention straight away. Now, I'm not talking aggression going around and kicking people, but aggression in wanting to win the ball back. Yep. Aggression in, you know, he's not going to beat me one be one I'm not going to foul him, but he's not going to get past me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, they, they want to win the ball back, and it's. I don't. I don't. I don't know how you teach it, and it's pretty hard to explain. But when you see it live, you've seen it live. Yep. When you see it live, it's like these kids are crazy. The, the kids up there, when we've been up there with you, you know, they they're little animals, but in yeah. a in a, in, in a nice way, it's, yeah. it's fantastic to see. They are so competitive, but you're right. Like the effort that they put in. If they lose the ball yeah. or off the ball, it's is and and it is hard to coach. We talk about 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 re challenge and reward. I think the only thing as a parent you probably could do is reward your your player for doing these things, yeah. as opposed to worrying about dribbles and goals and assists. Is reward them, challenge them to do three tackles, challenge them to run back and help the team, yeah. and reward that over over these other things. And people get going back to what you said about the winning mentality. It's like at the minute. Oh well, why is everybody playing friendly games? They should be competitive. Kids make it competitive. Yeah. We don't need to make no, it competitive. No, no. And yeah. this, this is what we're trying to. It's a big, big mis misunderstanding when it comes to non-competitive football. It's, I think, what what the powers that be are trying to do, and certainly what we try to do at Foottech is just remove the emotion from the parents because there's enough emotion in yeah. on that pitch. We want kids to want to win. Keep the emotion on the pitch. Exactly. We want kids to want to win. We're not saying that. What we're trying to say is that if they lose, that's not the end of the world. There's lots to learn from that yeah. from that loss because you could be winning every game and not and not learning anything. Yeah. But the kids make it competitive themselves, and yeah, you'll get these kids that are more aggressive, and you want that at a higher level. Yeah. How how do we develop that? Well, you know, there's arguments to say let's do more one v one training, but I think I think the thing around that is this 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 challenge and reward thing. But some kids just have it. And this some, is the other thing. Some, some kids, just, kids have it, just have it. And we can't. We, it's, some, some kids just have it. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's one or two in each age group that I've coached up there and their mentality is out of this world. Is that one boy? You know, we want their yeah. names, but I know who you're talking about who is. Yeah. yeah. And we go back to like, I love saying this and I don't, I don't care. I'm going to say it again. We saw Jude Bellingham when he was 12. Yeah. And, People had argued back to us like, yeah, but you know, you're talking about the, the best of the best there. It doesn't matter. It says he was borderline bullying yeah. a year above himself at Birmingham City's Academy and it and it wasn't dirty. It was that ball is mine yeah. and when I don't have it, I'm off to go get it. Ridiculously aggressive but controlled. Yes. And they learn to control it all. Yeah. Obviously at seven it's maybe a bit harder, but gradually they learn to control it. And I don't I don't think certainly from watching your boys up there, I don't think any of it is deliberate if no, they do no, no. foul. And, and and this is the other thing about grassroots is I don't think kids 
little ones in particular, they don't mean to foul. It's just no. they're, not, they're still learning to tackle. They're learning to time a tackle. Then all of a sudden, if a kid fouls, it's a big hoorah. That's the thing. If, if, if there is a foul on a, a grassroots game, it's like, ooh. Or it's like, hey. Yeah, it's just, and you're like, they're like seven or eight. Yeah. Playing, not, on, playing on grass. Yeah, he's not purposely ran over to go and kneel. He's not thought when he gets a ball, I'm going to go. Like uh, in pro, pro or adult football, yeah. he's not thought when I get his ball, I'm going to go and do it. The kid's seven. Yeah. When he, he's thinking when he gets his ball, I'm going to go take it off him. But he doesn't mean to kick no. him. But you, I mean, you will get the odd parent that is like too, too, probably too much in the kid's ear and the kid begins to start doing that exactly yeah, because he yeah, thinks yeah. that mum or dad want that to happen yeah. or whatever else and that's, but that's how they'll get a reward or whatever that, exactly that's another story I, I played against so Jude played two years up Jude's two years younger than me mm-hmm. and he played two years up against my age group when we went to Birmingham and um, he was a lot he was a lot less developed obviously than the rest of the team and if you look at him now he's a, speci- he's a yeah, specimen he's, he's. but he was he was really not really small but he was pretty small then. but that is what made him stand out to us and to probably everyone else around mm. the pitch. It was like that number ten, like when you get the ball, he's coming after you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember bouncing it into midfield, and every time none, none of the midfielders could could turn because he was there. And you do you do remember them players, and then obviously when he starts flying, he starts flying. My I I wasn't a gifted footballer by any stretch. Nick will tell you that he'd like he'd like to tell you that, but. The one, the, one, yeah. <laughs> the one thing that you can control is is that is your mentality yeah. towards what am I going to do off the ball and I, I started and captain most of my teams because I was that one player that were prepared to go and do these things off the ball that the team needs yeah. and it's that and then if you combine that with talent and with a player that can play you're laughing yeah. I just couldn't have that part <laughs> uh, so advice on that then advice that you'd give to football parents in their approach and let's talk more of that you know that that, that, that younger end up to mm-hmm. primary school years primary I guess. School years. Um, shut up no uh, <laughs> <laughs> let let them go and enjoy it and hopefully they do enjoy it they shouldn't feel any pressure like you said challenge and reward mm-hmm. maybe um, but especially the kids that the parents realise he's pretty good compared to some of these. They're the ones, they should all not be too on at them and shouldn't, the, the kid shouldn't feel pressure at all. But that kid that is being taken to potentially higher places, what you'll see, what, what will tend to happen is the parents then will start to get on at them. Okay. Be, because they're pro, pro, progressing. Yeah. Um, the big thing would be carry on doing what you were doing at grass at grassroots mm. but if it was shouting what will end up happening is because the environment will overwhelm the kid and you shouting at him as well he'll just get c- confused he'll stop playing uh, and he won't he'll, he won't enjoy coming he'll just he won't enjoy the full experience whereas what you'll find is in the in the pre-acad especially parents that just stand at the side and don't get on at the kids their kids are the ones that tend to flourish because in that environment, they begin to enjoy it. They begin, they begin to become more competitive. They learn better because they're not trying to get coached from, from the side. And that all that I'd take and put it into grassroots. You not shouting at your kid doesn't mean you don't care. Do you know what I mean? doesn't mean you don't care about what, they, what, what they're doing or what they're not doing. 
you're you're serving them better than the ones that are shouting at them. Because your kid one can make his his own or his or her own decisions, okay, and they they won't feel any external pressure or confusion from what's being asked from the coach or of of, of the game. They'll they'll make better decisions with you not in them in in their ear. Um, love that. And it's the same. It's the same for coaches as well. Oh yeah, I love that. I think if you, if you if you are if you're wanting to help your child, promote the things like teamwork, promote the things like effort, coachability, and behaviour at the sessions because they're going to be a more coachable kid. They're going to be liked more by the coach. It gets picked up. On. It get, that gets picked up on. They're going to be a better teammate. They're gonna they're going to be a player that becomes someone that everybody wants on their team because they're doing the stuff off the ball and on the ball, making the right decisions. Yeah. But then when they're older, when this dream might end. They're gonna be better people, yeah. and probably people oh. that will go on to succeed in something yeah. else in in work and life. 100%. So promote that above. I remember coaching for Leeds when I first started uh, doing the development centres, and one boy told me that he, his dad had told him he wasn't allowed to go in goal. <laughs> so guess you know guess whose name we're going to be top, towards the top of that list in terms of people that might be released further down yeah. the line because. You're not going to deal with that parent, no, no, especially no. if the kid's not messy. Yeah, the kid's just one of one of these kids that's all right. There's a million of them, yeah. and it's these these things that I think a lot of people need to get on board with, and and that's not just at the academy level either. Yeah, that's at grassroots because you, you teach your kids these principles, effort, behavior, those two things, and they'll be fine no yeah. matter what they do, and they'll probably flourish. That's that that word used flourish in those environments when they just it's funny the best the best players that I've played with as a, as a kid and, and that I'm aware of, who are now dads or mums, they're normally the ones that are the quietest on the sideline and they're normally stood away from everybody yeah. else because they don't want to deal with the nonsense. And, and, their, really and their kid's normally the better kid. Yeah. One of the better kids. It, 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 is, it is no surprise that the parents that aren't stood back in orders, their kids are usually the ones that are more comfortable. Even if they're not the best, they're more comfortable on, yeah. on the on the pitch, on the ball, in every decision that they make. They don't do this passing then. Yeah, yeah, I need to look my look at my dad, look at my mum. And it's like, oh. Last question for you. Thanks for that, by the way. There's some good stuff there. Last question. Where do you see the game going? It's changed a lot in the last few years. And what will you know? What will a future player look like? What will they need to do what you did and go, you know, go all that way? Yeah. Um, athletically, the game's becoming much more. It's becoming quicker. It's becoming, I mean, covering the pitch or being able to get about the pitch. Should I say? Um, yeah, that overall af athletic feel is is coming into football now that that ain't to say a Busquets type of player will go because if you're that good you'll be able to play football because obviously it's not necessarily played with, by running it's played with your brain if you can make better decisions quicker you'll you'll be better than the people who are, can run 100 metres in 11 seconds or whatever it is I'm not saying them, their players will go but there'll be an overall need for a more athletic player in each position uh -huh. because of how the game's going. Yeah. Because take a back four, for example, obviously because that's how I play. Uh, the back four line's getting higher when you watch the Prem. Obviously you watch Tottenham, Villa, their back four's getting higher. 
and higher. Now, you can, if obviously if the system works and you catch a player offside, then you know bang on, you don't have to run back. But if it don't work and you have to run back and you're running against Haaland or uh, Ollie Watkins for Villa or uh, Jesus for Arsenal or whoever it may be, they're quick. So you're going to have to be able to match them because yeah. what's being asked of you is that you play real high so there's loads of space behind you. And I think that, that kind of overall athletic side of it will go all the way down. We'll go all the way down. It'll, be look at, it'll, it'll start to be looked at how kids move, the kind of patterns they do, um, how efficient they are in, in running. You know, it's, it, it's one thing I've noticed that scouts especially do look at. How, how efficient the kid is at, in, in movements. Um, but away from that, it will still be expected to, it's not just going to be, oh, the quickest player gets here. You, you have to be expected, you have to be more than competent on the ball. Because you might be quick and competent on the ball, but you have to be special on, on the ball to really go all the way. Uh-huh. You can't just be expected to be quick and okay on the ball. You know, you've got to play in every... You, what what will end up happening is, and you see it at first team levels, and what you what you should see at grassroots levels, especially young ones, is every player can play in every position like they always speak yeah, about, yeah. Um, which you probably don't see. You probably see the same kids in up front every week. You probably see the same kid up front every every single week. Um, but at, at such a young level, it's important that they can play in all different positions. And that's and we spoke before, didn't we, about how it is getting faster. Athletically, it's going to be more demanding. You're seeing more ACL injuries start of this season in men's football, not just women's. In women's, it's yeah. terrible, but in men's, it's starting to grow as well, which I think it's been unheard of, the, the amount yeah. that's happened to in the Europe's top five leagues. So we need to bear all this in mind, but then if it is going to get faster... Your decision making is going to have to improve, and that's going to have to be, to be that's going yeah it's going to have to be quicker, and you're still going to have to be able to execute it. So, playing kids in a variety of positions helps that, but then it also helps what you're talking there about movement efficiency, being able to move better. Playing kids in the same position is just going to burn them out in that yeah. position. They're going to use the same fun more often than not the same techniques. They're using the same muscles and everything, yeah. and this might sound strange coming from. Uh, you think, yeah, but it's football, but it's not. If you're always at right, the right-hand side of the pitch, yeah, yeah. but what happens if you get a chance to go on that left-hand side? You are going to move in different ways. Yeah, you're playing the middle. You move either way. Exactly. Oh, you might drop all of them. Yeah, so but being able to do that yeah, is... That, really does, that, that does make sense. And um, one thing about, obviously, being able to play in every position, they, they become spatially aware mm. of different positions. Because I remember... It was different back then. I, I, I genuinely don't think there was as much of a push on youth football and the knowledge of it wasn't as high as mm. when I when I was like eight or nine when I first started playing grass, grassroots. And I do think that is, that is credit to, to, to people who are trying to push that because the parents now, there's so much knowledge on it. Yep. There's so much knowledge on what should be done. Mm. Um, obviously, on and grassroots coaches, not just parents, and grassroots coaches, but it's not, it's not, the knowledge and it's not taken upon by them and put into practice. Um, but they could become more spatial. When I first went into a carry football, I played, cent- played centre-back or played right-back or left-back or whatever. Um, I got played in midfield like the week after. And it was like, 
what is all this behind me? Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you used to have an everything in front of you and nothing behind you. And I remember playing in the field and I was like, I can't do this. I couldn't. I genuinely, I, I got by, but in terms of performance levels playing in the back line or, and then playing in midfield miles away, absolutely miles away. And people always tried to do it. Even when I went to Bradford Park, I played in midfield, but I never fully got used to it because I never, I never got comfortable enough playing in them different positions uh-huh. in, in an actual game environment in small sided games I played adventure up top and stuff like that as more, more of a mess about than being serious um, but even at the top level stuff like that happens so getting the kids used to it at under sevens grassroots uh-huh. will help yep. and especially if it goes on at eights nines tens and then obviously when you get to eleven aside you, you're probably going to have more favoured positions yep. or more favoured position more favoured positions that is how it should look for me. Yep. Um, I think the, my, my experience. The better, the better kids, if you look at this from a selfish point of view, if you're a player or a parent with a player that's pretty good and maybe going on to trials and stuff like that at an older age as well, if you can say that you play two or three positions and not just one, yep. then you, you've got a chance. If you can play right back or left back, and yep. it, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's a help. And that, that only comes from hopefully having a grassroots coach that, is welcoming of that and, yeah. and, and encourages that the mixing of positions or use your training sessions yeah. and just get you if, if you if you if your child had a conversation today with a, a player that came down she wanted to work on a shooting and we did a one-to-one session i said look this is fine you've got your reps in but the only way you're going to improve this is if you do it in an in an opposed environment whether that's yeah. your matches or training so use your training Every time you get the ball, if you can get a shot away, get a shot away. Because yeah. that's going to give you more information than, than what we've just been doing today against a mannequin. Yeah. And so you use that, use your training sessions, get, get your child to go stand in different positions at every training session. If they're not going to get it on the matches, do it that way. Because, like you just said, you have to, you have to make uh, a choice based on the information. If the defender's showing you outside, you're probably not going to be able to you know, whip it round him or whatever. If he wants to show you left get used to just shifting it onto one side and yeah. shooting out. But yeah, that information does obviously affect the the decision and you can't get A in all in one. No. In a one-to-one. Um, Luke, that's been great. I think loads of good advice there. So thank you for that. You're a, you're a busy man. At the time of recording, he's off to play in the round of 32 game with his, uh, not play, coach <laughs> in a round of I wish I could play in this one, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> it's a big game. So good luck with that, mate. Good and luck, uh, mate. thanks again for, for coming along. No problem. No problem, mate. <laughs>